Hi, I'm Peter Harrington, and you're listening to Policy and Pandemics, a podcast from OPM giving you a unique look into the COVID-19 crisis around the world. Welcome to episode two of Policy and Pandemics from OPM. My name's Peter Harrington. We are speaking to people in different places around the world who are involved in managing and responding to COVID-19 to bring you different policy perspectives on the crisis. Last week, we looked at the COVID story in Albania, which is home to about 4 million people. Today, we're going to be talking about Punjab province in Pakistan, which is home to about 110 million people and is the country's most populous province. So a very different context, and we're very excited to have as our second guest, Hamid Yakub Sheikh, who is chairman of Punjab's Planning and Development Board, and who has been at the heart of the response in Punjab so far. Mr. Chairman, welcome and thank you for talking to us. Thank you. Thank you, Peter, for having me. Could we begin by asking you to give us an update on the status of COVID-19 in, in Punjab? Pakistan has generally been um, kind of... Uh, uh, fortunate that we do not have a huge number of cases at the moment. Uh, it's uh, the, the total cases uh, as of today is a little over 10,000 confirmed cases. Out of which, uh, less than half, um, 4,300 cases uh, are in Punjab, which is the largest province. But uh, there are many ifs and buts, uh, whereas whereas these numbers are concerned, because we've been uh, slow in testing. Like uh, like in most of the countries, uh, everybody, including the policymakers, government officials, um, we thought this is not going to happen to Pakistan. This is not uh, (laughs) something which is coming our way. Uh, So we were uh, undoubtedly slow in responding and the initial response uh, was more focused on you know arranging beds in hospitals looking locating hospitals where to house uh, patients if there are any uh, but generally there was no organized um, policy or organized fashion in which uh, government different tiers of government were working they uh, eventually, in, in about two weeks' time, this started to come together. So now there are, um, at the federal level, at the prime ministerial level, there's a committee which is called National Coordination Committee, in which all the chief ministers are also represented, along with their administrative uh, arms, which is chief secretary and health minister and health secretaries. Uh, and um, and uh, under it, there is another operational committee, which is called NCOs, National Coordination and Operations Committee, which is headed by Minister of Planning, Federal Ministry of Planning. Uh, and again, in, in, in this committee, this meets every day now. And uh, it, it has representation from the army, from provincial governments, all of the stakeholders really. And now uh, the federal government has really taken charge of the whole issue and uh, everybody's fallen in place. Uh, in Punjab, when the whole uh, issue started, as I mentioned, uh, they, we were slow to uh, recognize and then the initial response was to arrange beds, arrange ventilators. Uh, but by and by, it, it, uh, it was clear that uh, this issue was uh, much larger, much bigger, and uh, it was important to focus on people coming from abroad. So health department provided the uh, facilities for isolation in, in, in collaboration with the district administration. 
for isolation, for quarantine, started organizing sport for uh, protection equipment, uh, for ventilators, masks, and everything. Uh, so then there was a much more uh, organized um, uh, demand for all of the protective equipment as well as for uh, essentials required for management of uh, patients. So that is how it, it has been uh, started off. And the provincial government to encourage uh, health professionals um, announced um, uh, uh, an additional pay so that uh, health professionals are encouraged to uh, work for betterment of uh, these patients. Pakistan is a federal system. So there's a federal level of government and then a state level of government or provincial level, which you're part of in Punjab. In terms of the lockdown measures that the country has brought in, where were the decisions for those taken and what does that lockdown look like in practice? So the provincial governments were uh, requested by federal government to make appropriate adjustments wherever required. But this was about uh, three weeks ago when this uh, decision was taken and it was decision, decision was taken at the level of prime minister. Uh, then it, initially it was for two weeks. Uh, then again, the, that the same committee at the prime minister level met again, and uh, it, it was decided to extend it. And very recently, about four uh, days ago, the committee again decided that uh, uh, for a variety of reasons, it was time to uh, move towards a smart lockdown instead of a full block uh, curfew kind of lockdown. Um, by the way, it was never a curfew kind of a lockdown in any case, but it was, uh, in, by Pakistan standard, was still very, very efficient and very effective. Uh, but since last three days, we see much more uh, relaxed, relaxed environment. It's really interesting how the federal government allowed the provincial governments to make, I think you said, appropriate adjustments to the lockdown measures. Can you tell us a bit about what adjustments you made in Punjab to take account of the specific context there? So, first of all, um, you know, as, as uh, any other place, um, we, we, the country uh, has all kinds of terrains and weathers and, um, you know, um, all kinds of cultural, cultural uh, practices. So it wasn't possible uh, for us, you know, a uniform uh, lockdown across the country. So that is how that is why uh, the federal government and the prime ministerial committee was cognizant that um, it, it is important to allow provinces to make adjustments according to their own yeah. uh, needs. In Punjab, um, you know, while it, they, um, in Punjab generally there is 50% uh, population lives in uh, cities and peri-urban areas, whereas almost 50% is in, in, in the rural areas. So uh, while in uh, pure urban areas, people are more educated, more aware, and they uh, follow these instructions very strictly. But even in peri-urban areas, uh, people are not uh, that well off. They whole family and family sizes are fairly uh, large compared to other countries live in one room uh, uh, houses, for example. Um, so it, and, and in a situation where they were not prepared and cannot store food, for example, in their houses. So it wasn't possible to uh, you know, enforce a strict curfew. 
so in in punjab especially in urban major urban centers um the provincial government and then the district administrations were allowed to make adjustments such as allowing grocery shops to open for a certain time uh, in in the day or certain uh, days in a week uh, those kind of adjustments were uh, allowed but uh, by our standards i think it was a very effective lockdown did you see high levels of uh, public behavior change and compliance with with what was being asked of uh, of the people in punjab i think i haven't seen such as uh, such high level of compliance ever uh, in my lifetime and that's the kind of stories we heard uh, from our drivers from our um, you know uh, official lower officials um, and so i think it was very were there any groups in in punjabi society for whom it was very difficult to to comply with the lockdown were there particular groups who were very hard hit um by by the initial strict lockdown one of our biggest concerns has so far been uh the, the segment of daily workers and informal workers and any lead off uh, workers in the formal sector uh, one of the gaps that we recognize to this entire uh, pandemic is that uh, there is there are huge gaps in data uh that we have and we there is no organized uh, manner in which governments can access such people absolutely i think any uh government working in an economy where a large proportion of the economy is informal is finding it very difficult to first of all understand the scope of the problem because of the lack of data as you say and uh, and second of all to actually find mechanisms to reach those people I'd love to hear a little bit about the the economic side of this crisis in Punjab and uh, and the role of your department the planning and development department in responding to that. Of course the public health measures the social distancing the um restrictions however temporary have a large economic impact. How has that played out in Punjab and what are some of the measures that the government of Punjab has taken to mitigate those impacts the because this was this was uh, this came as a total shock and uh, nobody was kind of prepared uh, so again in this area uh, there were several estimations that uh, uh, came up and uh, there were several numbers going around uh but we looked at what adb what world bank and pakistan institute of development economics uh was uh presenting and uh from from uh, the data that we saw we estimated that is the economic loss is to the tune of 3 to 5 billion dollars which is huge and and the job loss immediate job loss uh, is in the range of 4 to 6 billion uh which in the in the long term Uh, uh would also there be substantial number uh, and obviously daily wages and informal workers will uh, get affected um fortunately or unfortunately we not very well uh, gelled into the global value chains as such so we, we knew that there will be not a huge uh, shock uh, coming from <clears throat> international trade as such uh, but still the local uh, economy uh would certainly be uh, hit um 
and and our estimate was that uh, based on the numbers that I, uh, the sources that I mentioned was that close to three percent loss in GDP. Um, and because of uh, the lockdown and because of the uh, loss of economic activity, the, the vulnerable population power will go into poverty and it could rise up to you know uh, it double in uh, in a short time. So the initial response uh, was obviously to uh, um, in, to to look at uh, this in a more organized manner to provide. Uh, for opportunities to provide relief in the first uh, few days and few weeks. So the entire government's focus was to look at uh, the relief effort. So except for those uh, very few areas where Russian and food hampers were provided, uh, the Punjab government would uh, go for um, cash transfers. So the entire focus was on developing a fair, transparent, and a simple cash transfer program. And to access people who were not on in our registry, uh, we uh, developed a, a simple app in which people could register. And it, it was a website online as well as a USSD message, which poor people with simple uh, mobile phones could also send in their data. And the whole uh, data compilation exercise uh, started by uh, PDMA as well as Information Technology Board. And the idea was to uh, triangulate this data with the existing data sets uh, available with federal government as well as provincial government. Um, and so apart from health, this is the major work that uh, initially uh, um, Punjab government did. It's really interesting that there's a kind of multi-stakeholder group formed. Um, one of the lessons from previous uh, health crises and epidemics like Ebola was that in planning ahead for economic recovery, it's really important to engage with, um, with stakeholders in the private sector, in, you know, in, uh, in, outside of government. Has, has the involvement of those other stakeholders informed the you know the planning and the thinking that you're doing looking ahead for economic recovery yes it, the the you know stakeholders apart from government have been very very helpful and we now have uh, ever since the first meeting of the steering committee we formed whatsapp groups on which tons of data and ideas were shared by stakeholders uh, especially from um, uh, from from private sector uh, we had a support of a um, uh, former governor of state bank who was helping us in developing financial models, for example, financial products, for example, um, and former civil servants were also part of this. So it was a multi-sector uh, uh, multi uh, kind of a steering group, which still exists with, uh, and it, it continues to uh, function. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, it sounds like kind of all hands on deck, and, and I, I love the idea of um, these large WhatsApp groups sharing ideas, which are kind of multi-stakeholder. I haven't heard that that before, so I think there's a really interesting idea there for other uh, for other places. You spoke earlier about transitioning from a lockdown to what you refer to as a smarter lockdown. One of the things we've been seeing around the world is the challenge that countries face in exiting from lockdown and moving into a different phase of the pandemic where the peak of cases has passed and there's a need to try and get economic activity up and running again. 
what does this smart lockdown look like in Punjab and what economic activity is going to be able to restart? The National Coordination Committee, the Prime Minister's Committee was, um, was looking at several areas and it had, was working with the provincial government and uh, the decision to uh, relax the lockdown or move towards smarter lockdown was also taken by uh, the National Coordination Committee. And the, and the idea was to open up sectors where some level of social distancing uh, can also be practiced while uh, economic activity or some work can be started. And the first candidate uh, for this uh, is construction uh, sector. So the construction industry uh, is the first uh, sector which has been uh, opened up. And the idea really is that the construction sector uh, involves uh, a number of uh, industries as well. So it is able to generate um, and revive economic activity at uh, several levels. Uh, similarly, there's been uh, some relaxation in timing for other businesses, for the retail, uh, uh, retail shops, grocery shops, for example, bakery shops. The move towards smart, smarter lockdown is that uh, schools uh, and all kinds of social gatherings where large people can come together are still uh, off limits. They're closed. Shopping malls are closed. Um, all non-essential businesses are closed, uh, but uh, everything else is being uh, opened up, um, you know, in a in a sequential manner. Let me also highlight that uh, uh, the a doctors' association in Karachi has criticized government for it. They think that this is not smart. This is going to hurt. So there's still, you know, several stakeholders who do not agree with this policy. But they feel that it's too soon to move to this easing of easing of restrictions. Exactly. You mentioned um, earlier, of course, the month of Ramadan, which is coming up this weekend. Yeah. How, how is that, um, that extremely important period in the year in the annual calendar going to be managed and sort of the risks associated with that going to be, going to be um, addressed? It's a very sensitive topic. So, uh, and the government uh, was very, uh, you know, it was cognizant that it needs to be handled at the highest level. So, the president of Pakistan um, um, kind of uh, um, met all the major, um, you know, learned scholars of Muslim faith and they uh, looked at various options. So the model that uh, that has been developed is that uh, people uh, will be allowed to go to mosques, but there's a 20-point SOP which uh, mosques need to follow. Uh, and the most significant of them is that uh, no one above the age of 50 would be allowed to enter mosque. Uh, there'll be a, a safe distance between rows uh, whenever, whenever the prayers are offered. Uh, and they'll be aerated place, there'll be no carpeted uh, floors. They, every time the prayer is offered, the floors will be washed uh, with, you know, uh, with soap and stuff uh, before and after, and uh, there'll be uh, prayers, etc., etc. 
So there's a 20-point uh, SOP which has been announced and agreed by different scholars, different uh, religious uh, leaders. Um, but there, but still, there's a lot of criticism. There's a lot of, um, uh, you know, resentment um, um, from many sectors uh, who do not agree with this policy. But it's very difficult for any government in Pakistan to make. Uh, this kind of uh, effort. Uh, I think government has done well uh, so far, but let's see how it turns out in, in a week's time. It's a difficult balance to strike. It's a very difficult balance, yeah. I'd like lastly just to look ahead into the future a little bit. Um, you're obviously the chairman of the planning uh, and development department, and of course uh, it's natural that you'll be planning ahead for um, for problems that are come uh, that are going to come in, a, in one month's time, in three months' time, in, in, in six months' time. I'd be particularly interested to hear what challenges you think are going to emerge either as a result um, of the crisis itself or as a result of the, um, the lockdowns and the, and the restrictions and the economic consequences of those. And what you're doing to plan ahead to, to meet those challenges and to think about um, kickstarting the economy and, and moving towards recovery. Uh, thank you for asking this uh, uh, question because that's where I think we've done uh, quite a lot of work and with support of, uh, again, the steering committee and all the stakeholders. Uh, we realized that uh, uh, in planning and development board, um, it needs to move on and look beyond the immediate. So we started off working uh, for post-COVID uh, uh, period and we uh, looked at different frameworks that uh, were developed elsewhere in Ebola, for example, and uh, and and with support of the steering committee and with people like Usman, we worked on a six pillar strategy, which we now call Rise Punjab, uh, which stands for responsive investment in social protection and economic stabilization. Uh, this is a plan which started off as a six pillar plan, which very recently we added a seventh pillar. It's, it talks about health, it talks about social protection, economic recovery and stabilization, governance, PFM and disaster risk financing, and risk communication. All of these areas are uh, those which uh, uh, basically we thought uh, would require more attention and, uh, uh, and, and uh, fill the gaps that we saw uh, or experienced this time around. And we try to base uh, this plan on well-known, accepted frameworks existing uh, uh, elsewhere. For example, the health uh, framework uh, is not something which we have uh, carved out. It's based on WHR, WHO, IHR uh, framework, which already has a different kind of ranking. Uh, and Pakistan is ranked on a, uh, several indicators uh, and the effort would be to move upward to improve those our ranking on those uh, indicators. Um, so there are detailed uh, uh, strategies that we've talked uh, talk about in in Rice Punjab, and uh, they cover you know as, as I mentioned uh, uh, social protection and more importantly uh, economic revival. We uh, focusing on. Uh, all sectors within the economy, whether it's it's uh, uh, large scale manufacturing or whether it's uh, uh, young entrepreneurs, 
MSMEs, uh, mm. financing, um, you know, this covers almost every area of the economy. Um, and this is a plan which uh, we have, uh, you know, it's a very detailed plan. I could talk about what it takes. Uh, 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 probably a different uh, podcast for this, but uh, all of this uh, uh, has been uh, developed by Punjab and has been shared with uh, development partners and shared with the with the federal government and all of the other provinces. And uh, and and so far we've had uh, good uh, feedback about the plan and. Uh, basically, this sets out how we want to take Punjab forward uh, after this crisis is over, uh, revive the economy, and improve the improve the gaps wherever they exist. Our guest today has been Hamid Yakub Sheh, who is chairman of the Planning and Development Board in Punjab, Pakistan. Mr. Chairman, thank you very much for joining us on Policy and Pandemics. It's been fascinating to hear how Punjab has been managing this crisis. And I hope things continue to improve there. Thank you, Peter. It's, it, it was a pleasure talking to you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Policy and Pandemics. A big thank you to our producer, Catherine Valentine, and our editor, Emmy Fairburn. You can get all our podcasts, as well as blogs, papers, and much more at opml.co.uk. And find us on Twitter at OPM Global. Until next time, stay safe.